Welcome to the C2C podcast, the podcast powered by Bevy. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love all in 15 minutes. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. I'm excited to have our next guest, Rosemary O'Neill, who is CMO at Social Strata. Rosemary has been in the community industry for a long while and is a seasoned pro when it comes to member data and security. Today, Rosemary and I talk about international and local privacy laws, the importance of transparency, and how to operate as a one-person community team. And as always, we like to keep things actionable. So keep listening to learn how to make your own privacy policy and how to ask your members for consent. Can you describe what Social Strata is and what you do in your role? I am Rosemary O'Neill and I am CMO and slash product evangelist and co-founder of Social Strata. We've been around for 20 plus years, not to age myself, but (laughs) we're one of the OGs of online community platforms dating all the way back to when community wasn't even a thing. Since then, though, we've continued to innovate and grow and roll with the times, and our latest flagship is called CrowdStack. And my job is to make sure everybody who's building a CrowdStack is doing it well, fulfilling their wildest dreams of online community goals. Let's talk about privacy. That's kind of the theme of the day. How have you kind of seen the landscape of member data and security change in the last while? It's been really interesting to watch how that's evolved, you know, having been in the industry for so long. My first experience with online privacy was surrounding the COPA guidelines, which was the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which had its origins in the gaming industry. And those folks were the ones who originally started having issues with kids posting without parental consent and that data being used. That was a lot of the original impetus for putting some controls around registrations and what data you're collecting. And and we actually built the first parental consent mechanism in our platform. So that was kind of the starting point. And then over the years, I think the world has awakened more to things that can happen, Um, you know, with data being hacked, the vulnerabilities that can exist, even if you're being careful. And so a lot of us uh, platform providers have had to really make sure that things are buttoned up from a technology standpoint, and also trying to coach people a little bit on the community management side on best practices of, you know, making sure that you're only collecting what you need and that you're treating it with care and that you're being transparent. And I think on that note, I mean, allowing people to know that you are collecting their data. I remember in March when, you know, the height of COVID kind of hit us and I started receiving emails from every company I've ever purchased a t-shirt from. And I thought, wait, you still have my email? How how can you still have all of my information and who are you collecting that information for and what are you doing with it? It's scary and funny, right? Because you get those emails and you're like, wait a second, when was that? And yeah, to some degree, the genie's out of the bottle on a lot of fronts. And, you know, particularly for companies that operate in the EU, they're really having to scramble and re- get consent for data that they had already collected. So when you're thinking from a community standpoint, if you're trying to be really meticulous about it, 
you may want to just kind of re-get in touch with people and just make sure they're still okay with you having that information. One of the big problems that arises is people using information that was collected for one reason from the consumer standpoint and then using it for a different reason later. That's where you can really get into trouble and, and some of the biggest fines have come into play because of that scenario. So you want to tell people why you're asking for it and then only use it for that purpose. I think that's fair. I think that saying or doing what you're saying you're going to do is is a fair expectation. Um, in life. And so <laughs> in life, yeah, not just in data security. Yeah. And so on that note about the community professional, and you touched on EU, and I know that there's all sorts of different privacy laws depending on where you are and where your members are. In your opinion, how much should a community professional know about local and international privacy laws? I don't think you need to freak out. <laughs> um, and there's always graduated degrees of how much you should freak out, right? If you're if you're army of one and you're setting up your own little community of, you know, boating enthusiasts, then, you know, not much concern there. Just be open about what you're doing with that. You know, you're probably may not even be running ads, so you're cool. All the way up to, you know, I talked to Fortune 500 companies that have a 50-person legal team who is going to need to be involved. And at that level, you know, to some degree, you kind of can hand it off to the legal department and say, here's what I want to do and go there with them. It's those people in the middle who kind of get caught. So think about what's the size of your organization. What do you intend to do? Do you intend to run ads? Do you intend to send marketing emails in addition to the things that automatically notify people from your platform? What are you doing with that data? And make sure that you're paying attention to it because a lot of these laws are still evolving and intention does matter at this point. You know, even if if you've made some attempt and you've documented your attempt to train your team and treat the data with some care and be transparent, that will go a long way to keeping you on the right side of the regulators. They're really clamping down on, on the egregious violations right now. And so for someone who, like you said, is kind of in the middle where they're building it themselves and they're starting kind of from square one, what are some of the basics of getting that proper consent from members? So the first thing is do a little quick self-audit. What is it I'm asking them for and what? why do I want it? Because a lot of times when you're setting up your platform, you can ask for the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, 50-page bio, all this stuff. Don't do that out of the gate. Collect the minimum that you need that you actually think you're going to want. Second of all, um, make sure that you have security in place and you're not handing out the keys to your back end willy-nilly to other people. So, you know, those people who are in the middle where maybe they are working with a consultant or a third party or they've got community volunteers helping out, all of those people need to be aware of how to treat that data too. You can't just be offering up, I mean, for lots of reasons <laughs> beyond privacy, be secure with access to the back end and access to the email addresses, for example, and IP addresses. Don't collect IP addresses unless you need them. Things like that go a long way, I think, towards locking things down. And then finally, just be transparent. Make sure you have some way for the community members to know what's your deal, what's your philosophy. Tell them, you know, what what you're doing with this information and what the purpose of the community is. And, you know, we both know that's good practice anyway, right? Yeah, I think that that 
always, always comes back to that is the transparency, being honest with your community members about everything and not just data and security, but the purpose and and what you're doing and the product you're building and all sorts of things. I think that it always just comes back to to transparency and honesty. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So without a 50-person legal team, I would love to hear if you have a framework or something for building a privacy policy. So the good news is because this is such a huge global issue, there are lots of free tools and resources out there for folks who don't have that huge legal team. And so in some ways, they're a little more free and, and they can actually do what they need to do without being held back to not, you know, all you lawyers out there, don't get mad at me, but, you know. So there is a site called privacypolicies.com and they actually will help you generate a privacy policy for your specific use case. There's a free version. There's also a paid version if you want them to host your page, things like that. And even if you don't use that actual version, it walks you through, it kind of asks you, what are you using this for? And it walks you through some of those decision points for the things that need to be in your privacy policy. Second thing is there is a site called cookieconsent.com. We've been talking a lot about data collection, but the other side of the coin is cookies and those automated things that are being collected passively. That is a site that has a free cookie consent generator. Those kind of crazy little pop-ups that happen all the time, like, do you agree to the cookies? That actual regulation in the EU is up for grabs right now. It's being tweaked and they're going to update it. So it's a little bit in limbo, but not a bad idea to add that if you are using cookies. um, And a lot of us do for remember me for passwords and things like, and banning people when they misbehave. So those are a couple of resources that I really like. And then finally, you know, uh, invitation is the best form of flattery, get permission. But, you know, a lot of us community managers like to help each other out. A lot of folks would probably share their structure with you in terms of what they have in their privacy policy. It's always at the bottom in the footer. Check it out and you'll start to see everybody's kind of hitting the same points. What are you collecting? Why are you collecting it? Where is it going? Are you using any third parties? What happens if we disagree? Um, And who should I talk to if I have a problem? That's a really big component that really needs to be in there. Somebody, even if it's just you personally, you need to have an email or some way for people to reach out if they do have a question or they want to delete their data or they want to ask how you're treating it. Make sure that you have a way for them to contact you. That's excellent. And this is probably a good thing for everybody to do, whether you don't have a privacy policy yet, or you do have a privacy policy that maybe you inherited, or it's maybe a little outdated. It's probably just good practice to go through that every once in a while. Make sure that it's up to date. Make sure that it's changing along with all of your community changes and you're adapting it as it works. Yeah. And, you know, it's not rocket science to keep at least sort of up to date on what's happening in the news in terms of privacy. Set up a Google alert for the big, you know, GDPR, for COPA, for some of the big, you know, California privacy law. Set up Google alerts or for privacy in general. And even if you do a weekly one, you could kind of scan through and say, okay, there was a big decision. Especially if you're running a community that's public facing has a lot of members, you know, a lot of activity going on. It's not a bad thing to kind of keep yourself informed on that front. Definitely. That's great advice, Rosemary. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So the last question that I always ask everybody, 
is what is a memorable moment you've had with this community that you're working with? Well, my my favorite thing that's ever happened in on my all 20 years of being in online community is my twins were actually welcomed into the world with a forum topic. And I actually printed it out. It was probably 50 pages worth of our whole community pouring in. They knew that I was having our twins and coming in and sending congratulations and welcome to the world. And I actually showed that my twins are now teenagers, showed it to them and they couldn't believe all these strangers came in and and were sharing love and stuff. And, you know, it sounds very retro at this point, you know, to actually print something out. But to me, that was a real turning point, like an indication that this goes beyond just people typing on their keyboard. This is real Um, commitment and engagement at a human level that goes beyond just the technology. And so it kind of was one of the things that just reinforced my love of online community and how it works. Wow, that's so special. And I love that it kind of brings us back to that. Yeah, it's the human to human. It doesn't really matter the purpose of why we're here or the product we're nerding out over or the movement that we're all a part of. Truly, it is just people getting together and being people. So that's such a wonderful story. Thanks, Rosemary. Oh, you're welcome. That made me want to go back and read it again. (laughs) I love that. And you know, I I would argue that not enough people print things out these days. I think people should print things out more often and save them. (laughs) I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rosemary. Uh, It was such a pleasure to have a chat with you. Thanks so much for having me on again. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own event community, go to pod.bevyhq.com. That's pod.bevyhq.com.